Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick, and I'm here with my friend Zach. Hello, everyone. So today, we are going to be talking about secret tech. And by that, I mean cards that we think are very powerful, but which haven't been adopted by the community. So what we've done is we've looked up a bunch of cards that we think are really powerful and looked at which ones don't have a commensurate popularity. Yeah, which ones have not as much play as other cards, even though they have similar, if not greater, power level in some instances. Mm -hmm. We've got numbers on like how many decks it's played in, mm -hmm. and when possible, we've tried to get like good points of comparison. But before we do get into it, I just want to briefly talk about Patreon. So Commander Theory recently launched its Patreon page, which means that all of you listeners can now start directly supporting the show and get access to some sweet rewards. For as little as $1 a month, you can become a patron and vote on what sort of content you'd like to see and get a shout out on the show's credits. If you're willing to give a little bit more, you can join our Discord server, get one-on-one -on -one deck advice, and get your questions answered on the podcast. So check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory and become a patron today. If you're on a tight budget and can't commit to becoming a patron, you can also help us out by giving us a review on Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. It helps other potential listeners find us so we can grow our listener base, invest some more time and money into the podcast, and produce better content for you. Let's jump right into the secret tech. These three cards are all very similar in what they do, and they're mm -hmm. all underplayed. So Sunder is a, an instant. It's three blue-blue, return all lands to their owner's hands. This is a powerful land destruction spell, and part of why it's so powerful is because it's instant speed, and yeah. so you can really do it at the time that works best for you. For example, you can, you know, do it at the end of an opponent's turn, make sure you get that first land drop in. A similar card is Rising Waters, which is three and a blue for an enchantment. Lands don't untap during their controller's untap steps. At the beginning of each player's upkeep, that player untaps a land he or she controls. Or rather, they control. So that card's very similar to Winter Orb. That's probably a good point of comparison. Yeah. Uh, and then the third card I want to talk about is Back to Basics, which is two and a blue for an enchantment. Non-basic lands don't untap during their controller's untap steps. Yeah. <laughs> so all three of these cards have pretty similar effects. They all shut down each player's mana in some ways, although it's a little bit easier to break symmetry on Yeah, and some, some of them are a little bit easier to kind of eke ahead of on. Yeah, so like back to basics, for example, if you're mm -hmm. in a mono-blue deck running a, a large number of basics, this probably won't affect you much at oh, all. Oh, yeah. And, and let me give you the, the numbers on these cards. So Sunder sees play in 1,336 blue decks. Rising Waters sees play in 960 blue decks. Back to Basics sees play in 2,078 blue decks. So let me give you some context yeah. for those numbers. In comparison, like Armageddon, which is the premium white mass land destruction spell, has 7,513 decks that it's in three to four times as many Armageddons are seeing play as these effects that are as powerful or more powerful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that the fact that all three of these we mentioned here are blue also mm -hmm. is a thing, because blue, it turns out, does have access to Armageddon mm -hmm. if you want it, and that is an incredibly powerful tool that is really abusable in a lot of different lists. Absolutely. Like, if you're playing, say, blue deck that's really focused on artifacts, you can break the symmetry on these really easily, because, okay, lands don't untap, or lands are all in your hands, 
but I have a ton of mana rocks because I've been stealing them with Thought Adele all day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, like, there's some other popular blue commanders that can really break the symmetry on these. Like, Back to Basics affects you even less if you're running, like, Teferi. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, you're missing out on one untap of your Lotus Veil or whatever, but mm-hmm. it doesn't matter too much. There's also things like Back to Basics and Rising Waters. They could be really useful in like a Hannah list where you have a means to sack them so they don't really affect you. Yeah. So there's a lot of ways to abuse these cards. And and just generally, if you have some sort of blue deck with a bunch of fatties, if you're running like the Thassa Sea Monsters deck or like Slin Voda Sea Monsters, like all of these are just going to make it so your opponents aren't able to answer your huge threats. If you think about classically how Armageddon was used, you especially like in white weenie lists you go like one drop two drop three drop armageddon you can't kill my board anymore kill you Mm -hmm. you can do that in commander with these big fatties just be like here's a thing that's better than all of your things now you can't answer it (laughs) like that line of play is very much transferable into commander so you should abuse it (laughs) you should totally use it like even if it is just something like a um stormtide leviathan or something like that where like all of a sudden you can attack and your opponents can't attack if they can't untap their lands that's probably better for you yeah like while there are a lot of commanders that synergize well with these effects oh another one being uh, mm-hmm. grand arbiter oh and yeah so forth. If, if you're just a deck that has win conditions that if you can shut off mana if you can prevent your opponents from interacting from that point forward you'll win the game mm-hmm. then this is exactly what your deck needs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On this note, we're going to move on to one card in particular that we really want to talk about. Yes, this card is Delay. So this is one in a blue for an instant. Counter target spell. If the spell is countered this way, exile it with three time counters on it instead of putting it into its owner's graveyard. If it doesn't have suspend, it gains suspend. Essentially, this is a counter spell. It doesn't permanently answer something, but it pushes it off for several turns, which is a Mm -hmm. very long time in multiplayer. Yeah. (laughs) Let's give you the numbers on this really quick before Mm -hmm. we really sink our teeth into it. Delay sees play in 3,741 decks. And to give you some points of comparison, some of the more popular soft counters in Commander that, that have the same mana cost of one U are Disdainful Stroke, which is in 7,238 decks. Arcane Denial, which is in 21,823 decks, <laughs> and Negate, which is in 24,029 decks. So these other cards see many times more play, but I think Delay is, is a really strong card, and I think maybe part of the reason that people are turned off of it is because it it's not a permanent answer. Like, oh, I'll just have to deal with it again in three turns. Yeah, and the trick about that is... It is three turns, but most of the time when your opponent is casting something, it's a timely spell. They're casting something like a Wrath when you have a board, or they're casting something like an Artifact to win the game, or a Sorcery to win the game, or something like that. So if you delay that, and it's an exile for three turns, like not only can they not even get it back if like they had graveyard shenanigans, but the timing that they had on it is all messed up. So if, let's say they're trying to play an artifact to combo and win, all of a sudden that's gone and you have three turns without that, that their game plan is messed up, that you can easily, like you and the board especially too, can easily like dogpile (laughs) on them, like if they're going to win. And then even more so than that, like if you're in a blue deck and you're running delay and maybe other counter spells, that's like three turns probably for you to find like an actual answer if you don't have one in hand. 
the utility that you get for two mana from this one card is like vastly greater than a lot of people give it credit for. And also, like, you turn something that was a surprise into like known information. Mm-hmm. For example, like, if somebody had like a zealous conscripts on the board and they tried to cast Kiki Jiki. Like, maybe your other opponents didn't have spot removal open, but you had this counter spell. And now everyone knows yeah. <laughs> that Kiki Jiki is coming down in three turns, so they will make sure to have an answer ready. Yeah, someone will save some mana f- to make sure they don't die, because I doubt that you're playing with three to four other completely chaotic individuals who just want to die real soon. Like it, Exactly. <laughs> like, this isn't a card that makes it so that you have to answer something again. In three mm-hmm. turns, it makes it so that somebody has to answer it again in three turns. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in a way, like it could even generate advantage for you in the sense that, like, if this delay was just a counter spell, they cast their threat, you counter it, you're both down a card. Mm-hmm. But if they cast a threat and then you delay it and then somebody else deals with it the next time around, then all three of you are down a card. Like, yeah. in terms of card parity, you're better off. Mm-hmm. So I think delay is a, is a great card. Yeah. And while negate our gain denial and disdainful stroke are arguably better there's a lot to be said in commander for redundancy of effects oh yeah you really want to make sure that if an effect is important to your deck then you can get it consistently and one of the best ways to do that is to run a lot of similar effects so i think delay definitely makes sense as one of your deck's suite of counter spells And one other thing I want to mention before we move on. Delay is not great if your deck is just unable to win. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really true. (laughs) But if your deck is, like, actively winning, I'm going off right now, and someone tries to answer you, delay is perfect for that. Mm Because three turns has got to be enough for you to finish winning. Yeah. And then if someone else is trying to win the game, if they're about to cast their tooth and nail, delay also serves that purpose of, I just pushed off the turn on which I'm going to die. That's Mm -hmm. a lot of time for me to maybe try to win myself Mm -hmm. or at least have another answer. Like the amount of time it buys you is really crucial. Yeah. And and again, this is especially in a multiplayer format. Like how many people like listening right now have played a game where you, you get back to your turn and you're like, wait that was one turn ago. (laughs) Like, you're sitting there, maybe it's been, like, almost an hour since your last turn just because, like, nonsense has happened. Like, that just happens all the time in the format. Mm -hmm. So you can imagine that, like, if you multiply that by three, think of, like, the way the board changes, the way the game state changes, like, people's awareness to the card that is, like, slowly coming closer and closer. You have a lot of utility with this one card. It's pretty cool. We both have a friend who plays Talran, and he plays Delay in his Talran deck, mm-hmm. and he talks about it all the time as being, like, one of the best counters in the deck, just because when you're being proactive and someone tries to do something, like, you only needed one blue mana, and all of a sudden a thing is just kind of taken care of for a while you can win in the interim Mm -hmm. so it's awesome we actually want to talk about two more cards one of which is recent one of which has been in the format for a very long time the the first is necrotal which is two black black for a two one human assassin it's got first strike and when it enters the battlefield destroy target non-artifact non-black creature it can't be regenerated the other card is ravenous chupacabra Two black black for a 2-2 beast horror. When it enters the battlefield, destroy target creature and opponent controls. So very similar cards. Mm -hmm. I'd say the the Chupacabra is slightly better. It doesn't have as many restrictions on what it can hit. Mm -hmm. But of course there are 
other factors to consider human tribal. Maybe. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but the interesting thing is that Necrotal is in 2,756 decks. Ravenous Chupacabra is in 2,815 decks. And then Shriekmaw, 12,838 decks. And, and Shriekmaw, for those who aren't familiar with it, is four and a black for a 3-2 elemental with fear. When it enters the battlefield, destroy target non-artifact, non-black creature, and you can evoke it for one and a black, meaning it you basically just get its ETB effect. Yeah. So Shriekmaw, you can evoke it as a terror, or you can cast it for five as a 3-2 fear. But that's not the point. <laughs> the big point is the kill-a-thing point, and these creatures are very good at that. Mm -hmm. The flexibility offered by its evoke cost makes it better than Necrotal and Chupacabra, but it doesn't make it, like, six times better. No, yeah, that's definitely true, especially the Chupacabra. If you are playing Arena right now, you probably see this guy all the time because mm -hmm. he's in Standard, but, like, the utility of this guy is nuts, especially in black decks like mm -hmm. there's a lot of black decks that want etb guys or like to abuse their guys coming back from the grave over and over again and when you have a chupacabra like clearing the board for you as you're going through these loops or getting guys back to hand over and over again it adds up really fast mm -hmm. <laughs> if you're interested in shriekmaw then it probably behooves you to run these two cards that are extremely similar mm -hmm. and in some cases better. Mm -hmm. Like if you were just hard casting Shriekmaw, oftentimes like a Necrotal is going to do exactly the same thing or, or Chupacabra will do the same thing better. So the idea that like Necrotal is, is so much less played, like there's a 10,000 deck difference mm -hmm. between these two doesn't make a lot of sense to me no. in a 99 card singleton format. Yeah, and there's a thing too about the idea of like floater creatures like etb creatures like wood elves that kind of do their thing and stick around the ubiquity of just having a blocker even if it's not a good blocker mm -hmm. is something that comes up all the time and that's actually one of the things i've really liked about necrotal mm -hmm. on the list this is like point efg or whatever of mm -hmm. like points why i like necrotal but like just the fact that he's a two-power first-strike guy after he's done his thing mm -hmm. makes a lot of people be like oh okay well i guess i'm just not gonna come at you because at bare minimum you'll chump block mm -hmm. and that kind of weird mental image of like oh you have a thing on your board i'm gonna go to this person instead mm -hmm. that happens all the time you don't really get that with shriek ma or you do with these two guys a lot of the engines that you're trying to assemble in these black decks sack outlet reanimation engine yeah Mm -hmm. For them, yeah. Necrotal is the same as Chupacabra, is the same as Shriekmaw. Mm -hmm. So why not run all three and then just make it more likely that your deck will be able to assemble the value fest? Yeah, I've also been in situations where um, the fact that Shriekmaw was three power was a problem. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> There's just certain cards, like especially when you pair with white, that like care about tiny dudes, mm -hmm. where you can get your Necrotal back, but you can't get your Shriek Mob back. <laughs> I've been in situations where the one toughness on Necrotal was very relevant. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. So it's really interesting, like looking at it from like a broader picture, looking at it in ways where like these cards play with other cards, like not necessarily in a vacuum. There's a ton of like extra little bits that kind of push these cards, I think up higher than most people would assume they are. Mm -hmm. The next grouping of cards I want to talk about are black spot removal spells. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The most popular spot removal spells in black are Doomblade and Go for the Throat. Doomblade sees play in 10,549 decks, and Go for the Throat sees play in 13,448 decks. 
it makes sense that these are popular. They're very efficient. What doesn't make sense is like when comparable or better cards see like significantly less play than these two. Oh yeah. <laughs> so I'm I'm thinking about Victim of Night, which is in three thousand two hundred and twelve decks. And for those who aren't familiar with it, it's black black for an instant. Destroy target non vampire, non werewolf, non zombie creature. Snuff out is in three thousand one hundred and seventeen decks, and that is. Three and a black for an instant destroy target non-black creature. It can't be regenerated. But if you control a swamp, then you can pay four life instead of paying its mana cost. So really, it's likely to be a free spell. Mm -hmm. Victim of Night is probably better than Doomblade. We ran the numbers, and Victim of Night just hits way more creatures. I think yeah, 2,000 more? Oh, a little under 2,000 creatures. About 2,000 more creatures. So Doomblade, if you're hitting non-black creatures, it's 7,853 creatures. Mm -hmm. And Victim of Night hits 9,327 creatures. <laughs> mm -hmm. And also, like in the categories of Vampire, Zombie, and Werewolf, a, like, there's basically mm. no playable werewolves in Commander. Oh, yeah. Of the, like, vampires and zombies, of which there are a fair number, mm -hmm. a lot of them aren't things you would even want to hit. Like, for yeah. example, killing a fleshbag marauder yeah. is, is not something you would ever really want to do. Mm -hmm. There are some, like, must-answer cards, and Victim Knight is going to be dead against them, but Doomblade would also be dead against them yeah. in most scenarios. Mm -hmm. Like, I could see you might want to kill a Midnight Reaper or a Machaeus the Unhallowed or a Havengul Lich, but in all of those, like, fail cases, Doomblade is also failing to do what you want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. The, the one card that is probably the best which is the most ubiquitous is just the uh, go for the throat mm -hmm. which destroys a non-artifact creature that hits just raw numbers wise 10,017 creatures mm -hmm. so obviously like the most amount of creatures and that's probably one of the reasons for its playability but like we've the, been saying earlier, like you want redundancy. Mm -hmm. You're not going to run a single spot removal spell yeah. in your 99-card deck. Yeah, especially like mono black. Like if you're in a mono black list and you need more redundancy, like more creature kill, I'm amazed at how infrequently I've seen snuff out. Because mm -hmm. I've been running it for years when I have black decks just because the gotcha moment of just like snuffing out a creature when you're tapped out is like incredible <laughs> not even just for you not like even just as a visceral feel but like you can get someone to do something really stupid because they go oh you're tapped out mm -hmm. and like that happens all the time they go oh you're tapped out i'm gonna do this thing and you go well actually snuff out and there you go <laughs> yeah you never have to worry about that tempo loss mm -hmm. of i have to keep two mana up in case this player next to me does something broken yeah and then nothing happens and mm -hmm. it's like well i could have spent that two mana to do something actually useful yeah like with snuff out you always have it live and you can always spend your mana doing what you want mm -hmm. every single turn yeah as soon as you go turn one swamp you're golden you're yeah. good so it is awesome and again with victim of night like if you're playing go for the throat if you're playing malicious affliction which for those who maybe don't remember, it's black, black, uh, destroy target, non-black creature, morbid, destroy another non-black creature. Mm -hmm. I would probably play Victim of Night after that, mm -hmm. just because it hits more creatures. Granted, Malicious Affliction will, will hit literally more creatures if you trigger it, the mm -hmm. morbid on it. But that doesn't always happen. I've seen Malicious Affliction just be Doomblade most of the time, mm -hmm. a lot of the time. And if that's the case, like Victim of Night 
is probably better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you can kill those black creatures most of the time. A lot of black creatures, a lot of commanders that you probably want to kill that you couldn't with a Doom Blight. <laughs> <laughs> and I just briefly want to touch on this before we move on to the next card. So there are 134 cards that Doomblade hits that Victim of Night does not. These are zombies, werewolves, and vampires that are not black. Of these, like the number that are actually commander playable yeah. are extremely small. Very small. <laughs> like the only one of these that I would actually be very scared to see on the opposing side of the field is Neheb the Eternal. Mm-hmm. Because that guy's just a fountain of mana. But the other ones like are not things you would worry about yeah. a whole lot you're not gonna worry about a rackish air or like a forerunner of the legion in yeah. most commander games exactly if there's like an heb the eternal player in your play group then maybe you might <laughs> lean towards Doomblade. but otherwise as you're filling out slots in your deck with spot removal spells you want victim of night to be higher than Doomblade for sure which kind of gets us to another subset of black cards that we wanted to talk about and we've mentioned these on the show before but these are it'll come up again just kind of we talked about blue versions of this but um black mana denial mm-hmm. in the form of this card called infernal darkness so infernal darkness is an enchantment it's two black black it has cumulative upkeep pay black and one life And then it has, if a land is tapped for mana, it produces black instead of any other type. So this card is in 550 lists at this point in time, where its brother, Contamination, is in 2,796 lists. So decent amount more Mm -hmm. (laughs) lists. And so Contamination is also an enchantment. It's two and a black. At the beginning of your upkeep, sacrifice contamination unless you sacrifice a creature. And then it has the same. If a land is tapped for mana, it produces black instead of any other type and amount. So I don't mind that like contamination is only in like 2,800 decks-ish. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It is like a narrow card. But what gets me is that Infernal Darkness sees so much less play than contamination when it is so much better. Yeah. Having to have the sack fodder or just feeding creatures to the contamination, that is a serious cost. Mm-hmm. Whereas paying one black mana and one life is really not that much. You know, even if that increases over time, considering like how badly this is hosing all of your opponents. Probably most of you out there have seen a blood moon happen at this point in time. Mm-hmm. And you can see how devastating that can be to certain decks. Like, imagine if... Every deck at the table, except for you, was completely screwed over. Yeah, even the monocolor <laughs> decks. Can't but... deal with it. Mm-hmm. Another big advantage of the Infernal Darkness over Contamination is Cabal Coffers works under Infernal Darkness, but it does not work under Contamination because Contamination says produces black instead of any other type and mm-hmm. amount. Mm-hmm. So your Ancient Tomb, your Temple of the False God, your Coffers, whatever, all of those things do not work under Contamination. And I think that this may be one of those cards where, A, people don't know about it because it came out in Ice Age. Yeah. <laughs> or B, like they see Cumulative Upkeep and just automatically assume it's bad. Yeah. Because, wow, that's a steep drawback. But it doesn't really matter if you only keep Infernal Darkness in play for five turns. Because mm-hmm. that's five turns where you are playing the game and nobody else is playing the game. Mm-hmm. And if you can't win in that scenario, then your deck may have some problems. Yeah, and I, I do want to say too that like every time I've seen an Infernal Darkness played, the game ended very shortly mm-hmm. after. We, it's not going to take you five turns to win after that when no one can do anything. 
because you can just do what you want. Mm -hmm. Usually, like, an Infernal Darkness comes down and the game ends, like, two turns later. And or that person dies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like, they played an Infernal Darkness and the entire board attacked them. Mm -hmm. And that's whatever too like and that's like, and that's what you have to do because it mm-hmm. is that threatening yeah exactly the thing about infernal darkness is if you don't answer it you die this being the case like the fact that you're only if, if you're paying any mana or life at all it's probably like three because you paid one black one turn two black the other turn one life one turn two life the other turn okay yeah that's three <laughs> turns like yeah. the turn you cast it and then the two rounds of turns after that where you paid for the upkeep yeah where all of a sudden your opponents are completely locked out mm-hmm. it's it's really nuts it's it's huge effect i'm actually surprised contamination is expensive but infernal darkness is like a much more budget option especially right now so if you're listening to this and this sounds really interesting to you like yes pick up infernal darkness it's less than two dollars it's less than two dollars will win you the game yeah it's nuts and it's incredibly strong you'll be amazed at how like just how far behind your opponents can get when you play this one card it's really nuts all right let's move on to the next grouping of card and these are all kind of similar so you'll probably be able to figure out the theme here the first card is shattering spree which is a single red for a sorcery, and it has replicate for red. So when you cast a spell, you can copy it for each time you pay its replicate cost, and you can choose new targets for the copies. Then what it does is destroy target artifact. So basically, it's like a scalable spell that destroys as many artifacts as you pump red mana into it. A similar card is by force, which is X and a red for a sorcery, destroy X target artifacts. And then the third card is a bit more complex. It's yeah. two red red for a sorcery, choose three. You may choose the same mode more than once. Fiery Confluence deals one damage to each creature. Fiery Confluence deals two damage to each opponent or destroy target artifact. So you could have it be four mana, destroy three artifacts or some combination of like dealing damage to creatures, dealing damage to opponents, and destroying artifacts. All three of these spells are effective answers for artifacts in red decks, and the card I want to compare them to is Vandal Blast, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is like probably the most commonly known artifact destruction spell in the format. This is a single red for a sorcery, destroy target artifact you don't control, and it has overload for four and a red. So if you overload it, it suddenly destroys all artifacts you don't control. Let's give you the numbers here. And this one shocked me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Shattering Spree is in 2,657 decks. And this one, you know, it makes sense why it might be kind of low. Like, you do have to be pretty heavily committed Mm -hmm. to red. And and it was expensive until recently. Yeah. By Force is relatively recent. Amonkhet wasn't that long ago. Mm -hmm. It's in 2,285 decks. Yeah, pretty, pretty comfortable. Yeah. Fiery Confluence... This one, you could argue that it's a price thing. Before the recent reprint in Commander Anthology, it was creeping up to, what, like 15? Yeah, it was getting up there pretty hard. And right now it's like eight or nine bucks. It's something that's a bit more of a money commitment, and this is in 3,384 decks. Mm -hmm. But Vandal Blast is in (laughs) 30,159 decks. Yeah, it's crazy that it's like ten to fifteen times yeah. <laughs> as many as these other cards that are like you know have pluses and minuses but are basically on the same level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it is really really nuts. I don't really know what to say. I've, I've tried to rationalize it, and I do actually just think it's overload. I think people feel really comfortable with overload. Mm-hmm. And when they see Overload, when they see each opponent, they don't have to think about their stuff. They don't have to think about their stuff getting blown up. They just 
pay five, throw it on the table mm. and be like, hey, everybody, I'm blowing your stuff up. And that's it. I, I think that that is one of the reasons for it's like ubiquity. Because like, obviously, yeah, it's very strong. But all three of these spells we just mentioned are also like comparably strong. The biggest thing is that people see Vandal Blast and they go like, oh, each opponent's and then just like jam it into their deck. And yeah, like it's, Vandal Blast is very good. Yeah. Like the, they were not dissing Vandal Blast. Like I run Vandal Blast in a ton of lists. As we've been saying yeah. like, multiple times this podcast, like you want redundancy. You can't just count on a single copy of Vandal Blast to manage the artifact decks forever in every mm-hmm. single game. Yeah. You need to have some redundancy. And there are situations where these other cards are better. Like by force, if you're dealing with like two of your opponent's artifacts, by force is going to be more mana efficient. Mm-hmm. Or like Fiery Confluence, if your opponents have a bunch of mana dorks, Fiery Confluence can wipe out the mana dorks and still have two shatters left over. Mm-hmm. And another thing, especially with Fiery Confluence and by force, is that these two options are incredibly flexible in multicolor decks just because by force is X and a red. Mm-hmm. For a lot of the same versatility that you get with Shattering Spree or Vandal Blast, and for a lot of times a lot less mana than Vandal Blast, you can blow up these artifacts in like a three, four, five color deck. Mm-hmm. You can kind of be flexible about it and kind of use whatever mana you need to, as opposed to like something like Shattering Spree, where yes, it's incredibly powerful, but you do need a lot of red mana yeah. to make it work. These cards are similar, and there's definite advantages of some of the ones I mentioned initially over Vandal Blast. Mm-hmm. So Shattering Spree is incredibly difficult for counterspell decks to deal with. Yeah. Like a Vandal Blast, you're pumping five mana in, and if they've got a counterspell, well, okay, didn't do anything. But with Shattering Spree, because it's copying, like they can't easily answer all of those copies. It basically puts a copy onto the stack each time you pay the replicate cost. Mm -hmm. So let's say you Shattering Spree four artifacts. They have to have four counterspells. Yeah. They can't just like cast one counterspell and not have their stuff blown up. And of course, like you can make the copies target the same thing. So it's like, well, I see this guy has like blue, blue up and he probably doesn't want to lose his soul ring. So I'm just going to burn one of my copies to make sure that that soul ring is going to die, mm-hmm. even if he decides to counter it. Definitely trying to get these on the radar. Like you don't have to replace your Vandal Blast. Yeah. But like if Vandal Blast is valuable to you, then you should probably be running more than one of that effect in your deck. Mm-hmm. And your order should like after Vandal Blast, it should be one of these three cards that we mentioned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And there are metas I've played in metas that are incredibly artifact heavy. Mm-hmm. So I've played in metas where I was running Vandal Blast and Shattering Spree and. Sometimes you do need three mass artifact destruction spells just because mm-hmm. that's what's going on in your meta. Mm-hmm. So these are definitely very, very strong options for you. There's a couple cards we want to mention here that serve a similar purpose. They are Magus of the Moon and Ruination. Magus of the Moon, for those who aren't familiar with it, is two and a red for a 2-2 human wizard that says non-basic lands are mountains. So it's essentially Blood Moon on a 2-2 creature. Ruination is three and a red for a sorcery. Destroy all non-basic lands. And honestly, like Blood Moon itself is seeing, it sees like more play than these other cards, but it's still relatively low. Mm -hmm. So Blood Moon is is two and a red, non-basic lands or mountains. Mage of the Moon is in 2,830 decks. Ruination is in 3,593 decks. And Blood Moon is in 5,915 decks. Mm -hmm. 
This is surprising to me because I think all of these effects are very powerful. Yeah. Oh, no. I, I actually am amazed that the Magus in particular is not played as much just because it's a lot easier to get. Yeah. It's a lot easier to get abuse sack when you don't want it. Mm -hmm. Like, you can use Magus a lot easier than you can Blood Moon. Mm -hmm. And and also, like, just from a price standpoint, Magus, he's at, like, $5 these days. Mm -hmm. Like, whereas Blood Moon is not a budget card. Oh, no, definitely not. But Magus, you can really get him in play. He's, he's honestly one of the best red creatures. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would definitely say so. Blood Moon looks like it's three times as expensive. Yeah. And and gosh, what's Ruination at these days? That's also really cheap. It's the same as the Magus, like four or five bucks yeah. if you want a Ruination. So there are a lot of greedy mana bases in Commander. <laughs> and even people that don't run, like, you know, full set of fetch lands, full set of duels, like, they still run things like Refuges and Tap Lands and Gates. Like, people don't just run 10 basics of this color, 10 basics of this color, 10 basics of this color, and yeah. call it a day. Oh, yeah. Like, these cards are really effective at hosing people, and the fact that you know it's coming and they're not, you can play around it and make it so that it impacts you less. Mm -hmm. like even if you're not playing mono red, you can do things like, well, I've got this Blood Moon in my hand, or I've got this Ruination in my hand, so I'm going to crack this fetch for a basic instead. Mm -hmm. And you can make it so that these things don't impact you nearly as much as your opponent's. Oh, yeah. Because, like, a Ruination can just knock players out of the game. Oh, so. yeah. I've definitely... I've seen, like, two-color decks get knocked out of the game with Ruination mm -hmm. just because you're running your, like, life tap land from, from cons. You're running, like, a vivid land. You're running whatever shock or whatever cycling dual land or the battle lands. And then all of a sudden, you get Ruinationed and you have your one basic. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> It can be really, really devastating. Want to move on to some other value creatures here. First card I want to talk about is Imperial Recruiter. For those who don't know what it does, it's two and a red for a 1-1 one, one human advisor. When it enters the battlefield, search your library for a creature card with power two or less, reveal it, put it into your hand, then shuffle your library. Power two or less, that gets a lot of the best creatures in Commander. Yeah. Imperial Recruiter is in 2,069 decks. I understand why it's in not that many because mm -hmm. it spent so long as like a Portal Three Kingdoms card and then yeah. a Judge promo. Like yeah. <laughs> it, it was not attainable for the longest time. But we are now living in like the post Masters Twenty Five world, yeah. <laughs> and this card is certainly a, a lot more attainable than it ever was before. Mm -hmm. So the easy point of comparison here is Recruiter of the Guard, which is two and a white for a 1-1 one, one human soldier. And when it enters the battlefield, you can search your library for a creature card with toughness, two or less, reveal it, put it in your hand, then shuffle your library. So they kind of mirror each other. Imperial Recruiter searches for power. Recruiter of the Guard searches for toughness. Mm -hmm. Not really getting too deep into what each color does. Mm -hmm. uh, and like the differences in between those two. I'd say that there are a lot more like powerful low power creatures than powerful low toughness creatures yeah i agree there's just better targets for the imperial recruiter so i think it's better in that respect in terms of price they're actually very comparable these days mm -hmm. you can get an imperial recruiter for about 25 bucks you can get a recruiter guard for about 19 20 bucks mm -hmm. so if you're willing to shell out for one you would probably be willing to shell out for the other. Mm -hmm. And the interesting thing is that Recruit of the Guard is in 6,326 decks. So even though it's like less powerful and comparably priced, it's in three times as many decks. Yeah. 
And, and I would hope that as more Masters 25 cards like kind of diffuse in the environment, yeah. that we sort of see that shift and more people play Imperial Recruiter. Because mm-hmm. it's just a better card, and it does a lot in red. You can do a lot of tricky things. You can get your Kiki-Jiki, mm-hmm. and then Kiki-Jiki copy Imperial Recruiter and get one of the cards that combo with Kiki-Jiki. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even just on top of the new art being awesome, the sheer number of decks that if you have red in your deck and you're playing creatures in your deck, like Imperial Recruiter can help you. Next time you're tooling with a deck or putting a deck together, like just look at like how many creatures you have and the, the power and toughness of those creatures. And unless you're like some ramp deck, most of them are going to be like two power. Mm-hmm. Most of them. And that means that most of them are tutorable with Imperial Recruiter. So that's huge. That's like all of a sudden you have this one card in your deck that gets you any of these creatures, any of these value creatures. All right. Uh, Well, that is all for today. Uh, Before we go, I want to give a quick thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Bradley Pullen, Gustav Nyland, Ryan White King, Mark, Eamon Schofield, Addison Sage, and Elvis Lai. So if you want to become a patron and support the show and get your name called out in our credits, you can go ahead to patreon.com slash commander theory. Thank you all for listening. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with me, I am at commander theory on Twitter and Tumblr. If you want to reach Zach, he is at fat Bartleby on Twitter and Tumblr. The opening song is Lincoln Continental by Entropy, and you can check him out on SoundCloud. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>